Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast designed to help coach you up in your faith. The more you know, the more you can grow. The importance of growing your faith is more critical now than ever, and this is why you should invite people to be part of the Salty Pastor Podcast. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, but we cannot do this without the Salty Pastor himself, Dr. Douglas Peak. Hey, everybody. Good to be with you today. We've really been digging into some of the more specific issues that people deal with. Uh, for our series, Weeds in Our Garden. And, you know, we've kind of really had to dig in on Tuesday on the issue of suicide. And I really wanted to spend Tuesday focusing on kind of the biblical underpinnings of how to look at it in the proper frame of reference. And so I think we were able to do that. And I think that, you know, now we can kind of expand our discussion But if you are being impacted or affected by the Salty Pastor in any way, shape, or form, would you help us grow this ministry by jumping on uh, our YouTube channel and liking and subscribing? Because that really makes a big difference. So they say the first thousand is the hardest to get, but hopefully you and the Salty Pastor crew are out there. The old Salty crew is out there doing their thing. So we appreciate you so much in the expansion of this ministry. And we feel it's necessary to help cut through all the noise that's out there and you can be a part of its growth. So well, thank you. Well, and we talked about on Tuesday, some stats, you, you laid out some, quite a few stats about how this prevalent, this particular topic of suicide is. Mm-hmm. So if we can be somebody who's speaking into the darkness on how to help be part of the solution, we want to spread that and you guys can help us do that with that like and subscribe, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. When we started this series, we knew we were going to be talking about some pretty important things, things that many people are really just uncomfortable talking about. And on, on Tuesday's podcast, I thought it was really exceptional that we dug into those biblical perspectives, like you said, yeah. and we're, we're developing clarity over this issue. And I think that's going to be really helpful for a lot of people. Um, and then, on today's episode, we're going to dig into the practical ways that you can help someone who is dealing with this issue. Or if you're mm-hmm. dealing with yourself, what resources exist to help you? So I want to dive into that as well, because the biblical perspective helps us kind of see the the spiritual bucket. We're mm. using this bucket analogy throughout this series. Mm-hmm. Um, today's going to be focused kind of on the other three of how do we, how do we practically um, work on this particular subject? So, yeah, and I... I think in a conversation before our podcast, you and I were talking about that we also want to help people who have been left behind. Yeah. You know, they're in the wake of, of this tragedy. How do they deal with that? Yes. You know, and these are all things that we really need to cover. First, let's remember the biblical perspective on suicide. When a person takes their own life, the scripture sees this as a failure. In a general sense, you could call it a sin. But we'd like to further state that the reason suicide is wrong is because it flows out of a false identity, right? In other words, a person begins to believe that would be better off if they were gone, which is false, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, They believe that they have no value anymore. Well, this is false. Uh, They lose hope that their life could have any significance, they, they believe things that in their darkest days could never get better or change. Well, this is all false. These are things that I believe um, Satan uses to convince a person that the only recourse in their life is to take their life. And the most important stats I want to point out about suicide are this. 90% of 
of all people who want to go down that path but don't recover from all of the factors that were driving them to consider suicide. So there's a 90% success rate of recovery. And so basically that means persevering, holding on results in a 90% chance of success. So there is hope for you or there's hope for someone close to you. And if you are in the wake of, you know, the, uh, of being left behind of, uh, a parent or a sibling or a friend that committed suicide, guess what? Uh, you have a 90% chance of succeeding and overcoming the factors that drove them to that decision if you simply hang on and if you simply reach out and if you receive help and you let people know you need community. And so I think those are some important things to understand before we get into this discussion and all the resources is that it's really important to know when to open yourself up to help. It's important to know how to persevere. It's important to know what signs to look for in yourself and in the people around you. And then to actually have uh, easy access to immediate resources for whatever situation you might be in. Yeah. And this is, I mean, we, we, we use this phrase a lot in this series, which is we want to provide help and hope, right? Yes. And, and there is hope. We, we're going to be talking about a lot of help things, but the hope thing is just as important because if you don't see hope at the end of the tunnel, if you know, if the person who's thinking about it, or if you are, or, or even if you've lost someone, if you don't see that there's hope or that God's near Mm -hmm. to you, Mm -hmm. I mean, he knows what, God knows what it's like to lose a child, right? Like mm -hmm. there's, there's this thing that we, we, we need to remember that there is hope at the end of this, right? And if you don't hold on to that, if you're not pushing people towards that, they're not going to want to go through the process of help, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's too much work. It's going to be hard. And this help is, is very good and it can be helpful, but if there's no hope, the the desire to persevere, that's right. the desire to push on, it, if that doesn't exist, then it's going to be really hard to try to want to get. Yeah, the there's help all you those need. things that exist uh, to basically inspire hope. Yeah, and we need to avail ourselves of those things. Absolutely. So let's talk about the factors or the signs. I want to be really practical in this. Factors or signs that we should be looking for push people to consider suicide as an option. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, we're going to talk about these signs of contributing factors, risk factors, and, and then what signs to look for. Uh, but before I do that, I just want to say during our research for this series, we came across a really great organization called connection is the key. It's an organization that was started by, uh, September Frogley. And the reason she started this organization is because she lost her brother to suicide. And it was primarily driven by substance abuse. She was really close to her brother, so she experienced firsthand all of these factors and what drives people towards choosing this option. So she formed the organization. We'd like to highlight them. And that's Connection is the Cure. Not the cure. I'm sorry, Connection is a Cure. I, I, yeah, thank you for getting me straight. Connection is a Cure, and what they, they just have a really great resource and they're kind of a middleman between people who are hurting or in need and then all the resources that exist. 
And so, they want to be, they're not a middleman to stop people from getting the resources. They're a middleman to try to connect you to resources. Exactly. Right? They're a one-stop shop, which is awesome, you know, yes. because they can kind of tailor make it to you. So, uh, and so in our work with connection is the cure, we looked at how the, some of the risk factors that and this risk factors are important to know because it gives you a sense of proclivity, right? Right. Well, I'm going to be more sensitive to this issue and someone else, depending upon how many risk, risk factors. factors I have. Or if you know someone who has a lot of these, then you know I exactly. should be paying a little more attention maybe for yes. something like this. Yeah, and so number one is, is has there been a prior suicide attempt? That's the single most important factor for suicide in the general population. And as a matter of fact, according to uh, Connection is a Cure, it is 37 times more likely to succeed the second time a person tries. Number two, a huge factor is alcohol or drug abuse. Okay. All right. So that's a huge. So it's really hard to separate the issue of suicide from substance abuse. It's very, very difficult. Number three, uh, diagnosable mental health disorder. You know, and of course, this whole series is focusing on what? Mental health. Mental health. So... Uh, diagnosable mental health disorders mean that it, it presents enough that it can actually be diagnosed. It can be recognized right. and seen. Well, and if, and one of the, the major blessings of this series is if you are able to help someone, or if you know now through this series, Oh, I'm, I'm dealing with this particular mental health thing. You also know that you potentially have a proclivity right towards this. And so you can put safeguards in place if that's something that you are exactly. And so that's a lot of people I'm, I'm assuming are wondering why are you starting with the hardest, deepest topic, right? <laughs> like they're probably going, well, you kind of like warmed up with like anxiety yeah. <laughs> or like, Should we got a little warm up, but what we're saying is suicide is a potential end part of undiagnosed Absolutely. or untreated mental health problems. And we want to make sure we're talking about the potential end stop that people sometimes choose before we even get into the rest of the stuff, because this is the thing we're trying to avoid. And it also points to the fact why the clinical bucket is so important to know and understand and embrace. Yeah. You know, I mean, we've talked often how in, in leading into this series of how in a lot of helping professions and a lot of our society, they focus on the biological, clinical and situational, but they ignore the spiritual, Right. right. Well, the problem is, is that sometimes the shoe's on the other foot. And if, if you're very attuned to the spiritual bucket, you can streamline causal distinctions and basically forget about the need for the clinical bucket. Right. <laughs> and that's, you don't want to swing the pendulum too far. The yeah. Other that, way. That's just as dangerous. You know, let's not, let's not commit the same mistake. Um, just in the opposite direction. Let's make sure that we are people who are filled with wisdom we're filled with the knowledge and we understand how the kingdom of God interacts with the kingdom of this world and how it works. That's really important to, to grasp all that. Uh, so diagnosable mental health disorders is important. And even though ultimately I think it's true that a spiritual uh, cause or spiritual influence exists for a lot of mental health disorders, that doesn't mean that they don't need to be diagnosed and right treated and all you know what i'm saying it's yeah. very specific you need to be involved easy access to lethal methods um our There's society is uh, is a huge risk factor and of course that's just going to get more and more and more uh, family history of suicide or a family history of violence so if you grew up 
uh, in a family that was really violent, or if you grew up in a, have a family history of suicide, that's a risk factor. Uh, here's, here's a really big one, a lack of social connection. Uh, a few, a few, gosh, I don't know if it was about um, six months ago, nine months ago, or what we were, we were talking about how the trend in American society is towards isolation right. and loneliness, right? That we're becoming more isolated people. And that's one of the contributing factors. It's a risk right. factor. So when somebody, and we talked about how the stats are skyrocketing in suicide and it's probably a solid correlation of people right. getting more isolated and we're seeing an increase in this particular. Yeah, it's really amazing. I mean, there is a loss of a family member or friend, especially if they committed suicide. So this is a social contagion thing, which is really quite fascinating to me. Um, there's been some research on it, but I think that that research has been really lacking. It's insufficient mm -hmm. because the one thing that's, what's, that's what's so interesting about science is that, you know, science can study and prove a lot of things, but science cannot study and prove love. Right. It can study the effects of love. But the other thing that science is really interesting, if you, if you talk to scientists, particularly theoretical uh, neurologists and stuff like that, and that is, is when you get down to brass tacks, they can say, okay, here's the effect of consciousness, here's the effect of sentience, and here's this, that, and the other. And, but when you actually ask a question, where does sentience, or where does consciousness come from, you know what their answer is? No. We have no idea. <laughs> we have no idea. You know, it's not technically located in the center of a brain. And the reason they say this is we have no idea is because they think, oh, well, it's in this lobe of the brain. And then somebody is born without that lobe or somebody loses it as a child in a head injury. And yet they're still conscious and sentient. Right. And so it's it's really, oh, my goodness. So anyway, um, but that that's why it's really difficult for them to uh, to study social contagion because i believe that social contagion has a massive spiritual component to it mm, absolutely right? and that's very difficult to study uh if you have physical health problems like chronic pain or a traumatic brain injury uh, if you have relationship or school problems this is always a big deal um one of the reasons why i think that you need to watch for risk factors i, I think it's prevalent among females and young males is that because our societies become so uh, sexually open and sexually promiscuous, right? Is that, you know, 50% of teenagers, which means 50% aren't, but 50% of teenagers are having sex, right? And the problem is, is that we reserve sex and sexual intimacy for people who are older, because when you're a teenager, you're not emotionally able to understand what sexual intimacy does to you. It's not just sex, right? It, it creates an, a massive amount of bonding, a right. massive amount of this. So what happens is then in high school when there's a breakup, it's absolutely devastating. Right. You, uh, you hear about, you know, this idea of, well, it's just a breakup, like get over it. But when you add these new layers of sexual yeah. intimacy into it, it's there's a chemical reaction that's literally happening. So it's like, you can't just yeah. say, well, get over it. Like right. there was bonding that occurred. Exactly. That's beyond what if you we're choosing not to be sexually intimate there, that bonding doesn't occur. So yeah, you can kind of be like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah, it was just a breakup. Right. And exactly. There's, there's yeah. a little more rationale involved versus there's literally a chemical reaction and an emotional bond that occurred when sexual intimacy. Enters and everybody the knows this, you know, I mean, women know this, you know, with their girlfriends, they're like, you know, when they start dating a guy and they're talking to their girlfriends and everything, and then it doesn't work out, they break out, they, they break up. They always ask, well, were you sleeping with him or not? 
you know, because they know that the seriousness of the breakup and the longevity of getting over it and all the stuff is going to be so much more intense if there was, like you just said, that physical bonding. That's why I think relationship or school problems are factors that need to be watched. Uh, and on top of that, there's stressful life events, you know, stressful loss. These are all risk factors. So I want to run through those really quick because we took a couple detours during that. So I just want to quick list just so everyone can have this available if they want to scroll back through this to listen again that's again if there was a previous suicide attempt that's a risk factor alcohol or drug abuse risk factor diagnosable mental health disorder is a risk factor Mm -hmm. Um, easy access to lethal methods uh, if there's a family history of suicide or violence lack of social connection loss of a family member or a friend especially if it's by suicide Physical health problems like chronic pain or traumatic brain injuries, relationship or school problems, and stressful life events or loss. Yeah, and I and so I think the the first step in in understanding this is that okay, you look for risk factors. Right. So what's when, their proclivity? Yeah, when the situation changes, so you look for risk factors. Now, if someone you know, you know, has one risk factor. That doesn't mean that you go from zero to hundred miles an hour right away, but you go, okay, now that I know there are risk factors, I should, you know, bing, my radar goes up. I need to look for warning signs. Okay. Okay. So once there's a, a two, three, four, five risk factors, immediately watch for warning signs. That's important to do. And so what are the warning signs? Uh, well, according to um, Connection is the Cure, they have a number. Uh, number one is you look for a sense of hopelessness or there's no hope for the future, right? Mm-hmm. So you look for that. Now, how do you look for that? Well, you ask questions about, are you feeling, well, do you feel like this will get better tomorrow? You don't, don't say to a person when you're looking for a warning sign, don't, if they're, let's say they have a relationship breakup that's just devastating or a school problem or, or a lack of social connection. Don't go to them and say, Wow, I'm a, I'm afraid that you're going to do something dumb. So don't forget, there's always hope. Right. See that that's not a good approach. Okay. the The key is to go in and go. Well, do you feel like things will ever get better? Because what you're doing is you want to probe and look for signs, right? right. Initially, to know how to respond. Um, you look for, well, how lonely do you feel? I mean. On a scale of one to 10, how isolated do you feel like you're in this all alone? Right. Um, look for aggressiveness and irritability. This is more for males than females. I mean, it will present in females, but I think it's more for males because the issue is, is that, uh, men deal with emotional trauma, mental illness differently than women. And I think one of the things that is really important to understand is males need to feel a sense of power and in control to overcome. Mm. So, and when we tell, we tell men, we just need to open up and talk about your feelings. This is counterproductive in my opinion. And the reason why is because it's their feelings that are out of control, right? And so what you're doing, you're saying, we'll talk about this thing that you're totally out. So what it does is just enhance their sense of lack of control, right? Right. So, but you look for that. You look for aggressiveness and irritability. Uh, do they feel like a burden? You know, you call them, check on them, and they say, oh, don't worry about me. What's going on with you? You know, uh, do you, this is really important for teenagers. Do you see drastic changes in mood and behavior? Right? 
you see drastic mood changes. Uh, do they do, do do people, particularly teenagers, develop an obsession with death? Okay. Another thing is self harm, cutting, self harm, those types of things. Do they start engaging in more risky behaviors? You know, and I think that's important. Uh, do people, particularly if they're adults, if they're males, and they start giving things away? Oh, it's my favorite shotgun. This is my favorite gun. This is my favorite this. They start giving really significant things away. That's not a good sign. Uh, substance abuse, of course, you know, is a huge, con- huge contributing factor. Another f- a factor, a warning sign I- that you should look for is if they make suicidal threats or they have a very negative view of themselves and they start saying things like, you know, it'd be better off if I wasn't around. You know, the- these-, these are warning signs that you should look for. And I think, you know, you have to take them into account and really make sure that, that, wow, if I have more than one of these warning signs, then I need to put a strategy together quickly for myself, right? Before I fall into this despair or for those around you, right? And, and the other thing I want to say in regards to this too is whenever we talk about this, if you know somebody that's committed suicide, someone who is close to you, and you hear these warning signs, you're going to think to yourself, why didn't I see them? Mm. Why did, or I saw them. Why didn't I do something about it? Why, why couldn't I have been there when they needed me the most? Why didn't I show up? Well, the bottom line on this, my friend, is that, that that's guilt, right? As if you're in control of the universe and you're not. You're just right. not. And so, you, you know, you, you did see these things, you know, you process them appropriately. And so you can't sit there and go, wow, if I had been smarter or quicker or funnier or present or whatever, you, that person wouldn't have done that. You can't take responsibility for their choice. Yeah. You have to let go of that guilt and shame. You have to let go of it. I mean, you don't have control over their final things, um, their final choices that they make, right? Right. Um, Satan is going to use that as a as a playground for his work, right? Yeah, absolutely. You feel isolated. You're gonna you're gonna feel this shame and this pain, and he will use it to get you so twisted up on things you could have done differently, or or ways things you should have seen. But ultimately, that's not what God wants for you, right? Like, and you you don't have to own that choice that they made. Right. You can miss them. I think that there's, there's, well, that's grief. grief. You're going to have a lot of grief. There's going to be grief, but you can't own that shame or guilt mm-hmm. because you know, that's where Satan's going to really do his worst work is in those people who are left behind. He's going to try to convince them that they could have done something different. And ultimately those people made a choice and there's great loss, but ultimately you also have to understand that God loves you that yeah. you don't have to carry that guilt and shame. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, and, and the, the question then becomes is, well, if you have somebody in your circle or you see in yourself risk factors, right. And then you see the warning signs, you know, what, okay, now I'm concerned, you know, what, what do I do? And I think one of the things is this, is that, you might hear somebody, you have a conversation with them. You might hear words like, Hey, I'm really tired. I just can't go on. Um, maybe they might say something like my family better off without me. 
or they might say, who cares if I'm dead anyway? I just want out. Mm. Um, I'm not going to be around much longer. You know, pretty soon nobody's going to have to worry about me. And I think one of the things that uh, suicide uh, counselors and trainers say is that you should always address the person by saying the word suicide. Yeah. You should always do that. You should say something like, are you thinking of suicide? Don't talk about it like in a, in a roundabout way where you're kind of being like, well, are you thinking about hurting yourself right. or things of those natures? Those don't help, right? Those don't help. They say that vagary does not help. In vagary this. does not help. Yeah. You know, we say fluff is not enough. And this is definitely a case where that is so true. You have to say, are you thinking of suicide? Are you contemplating suicide? Um, you know, you could say something like, you know, sometimes when people feel what you just said, they're thinking about suicide. Are you thinking about it? Or how many times have you thought about it? <laughs> you right. know, kind of a thing. Is it, is it torment? Is suicide tormenting you right now? The desire to commit suicide? I think these are, these are all questions that are really, really important. And if, if there is a yes to one of those questions, oh, yeah. you need to call 911. That is, yeah. that is, it's better to be safe than sorry. And you need to just tell the dispatcher if there's a yes to, have you decided when you're going to kill yourself or are you thinking about committing suicide? Mm -hmm. That's not a, well, let's just wait and hopefully they'll kind of work their way out of it. They, if they're at that point, they, they're needing some help. And yeah, you, yeah, you make immediate call, suicide hotline, 988 is suicide hotline. Nine. But I mean, if they're, if they're basically like, you're getting a sense that this is like an immediate thing, I would almost. Yeah, you can call 911 and, yep. and as soon as they know what's going on, they, they, they know how to route you to 988. Yes. <laughs> it's all linked together. Yeah. So, which is really nice, but. So, so, but you know, that's one option, obviously to talk about, but I, I think the other thing too, is to show how many resources are out there. There's lots of resources. Yeah. What I like about, uh, connection is a cure is that they're familiar with all of these resources. So instead of having to remember like which one you just go to them and then they can help yeah. point you, but some that, excuse me, I think are, uh, really important, really critical is, uh, uh, it's called ISPH and, uh, Idaho suicide prevention hotline. hotline. Yep. And it's available 24 seven. Mm. It is manned by crisis trained volunteers. So they're volunteers, but they've been trained in crisis counseling. They are, uh, supervised by licensed counselors, social workers, and people with extensive experience in crisis intervention, it, it's good for any age, right? And especially for military, they have uh, veterans, you know, who volunteer and who volunteer and talk specific, so they understand the specific veteran to veteran, right? Veteran to veteran, and I think that's important. Another one um, is the pathways community crisis center. Mm -hmm. Um, that's also manned by social workers, counselors, and EMTs. You do have to be 18 years or older for that one. Um, for admittance to that. Yeah. Um, and you can only be voluntarily held there, but I mean, you can stay for up to a day basically yeah. at a time and it's open seven days a week. They have a lot of options for that, but um, that's great for if you're in crisis. Yeah. That, so, that. yeah. So it's like, like a day hold, if basically. somebody it's a day hold. And so what you can do is if you have a friend or even yourself, you just go to this place, you know, and they go, come on in. 
You know, they take care of you. They, you don't have to think about food or sleep or, you know what I'm saying? They meet all your needs for right. that, that, uh, 24, 25 hour period. And so, or 24 hour period, it's just really important to understand that it's a safe place. And then right. they can immediately also say, okay, this is the best option. Mm. If you're a teenager and one of your friends says some of these things, you know, take them to this place, you know, well, they uh, have, you to, have be to be over 18, 18 years right, old, so. be over 18, but that, that gives you time to contact the parents or whatever, and let them know what's going on. Yeah. You know, um, I think that's another one. The, the next one is I can, the, yeah, a lot of you not may not be aware of the speedy foundation, but there was an athlete. I think he was a pole vaulter at Timberline. He was mm-hmm. very successful here in Boise for here in those Boise, of you who aren't in the Boise who aren't area. listening to the Boise area. But he was at a local high school in Boise. He's a very successful athlete and people loved him. And they, his nickname was speedy, mm. right? Cause he's real fast. And what happened though, is he committed suicide and this was really, so they become a, actually they become an international foundation. Now it's grown so big. So the right. family founded this foundation in his name, his memory, it's called the speedy foundation. They offer all kinds of education and training and it's for any age. So at any time you can go to their website and give them a phone call and you could say, Oh, I want to get training on what's going on and, and, and know how you can help your close friend in high school, your college buddy, your, you know, anybody, uh, uh, that needs help. You can point them to the speedy foundation. They are easy to find Mm. on the internet and get their phone number, give them a call, whatever needs. Yeah. And, and the last resource we wanted to kind of call out just in this podcast, there's, there's a lot that connection is the cure has available. So this is just kind of the top four we're, we're wanting to talk about today, but they have a lot more than this. There's a lot more. There's the Idaho lives project, which, um, they are kind of a mission. They have a mission to foster resiliency throughout the schools. Um, we talked about this where there's sort of this idea that uh, a social contagion where if one suicide happens, it can kind of propagate throughout the school because it robs them of hope and, um, a lack of desire to continue because they, they see that. Right. Yes. And so their mission is basically to kind of bulk up your resiliency of yep. the youth in the Idaho schools, um, strength programs, especially in the secondary schools, they do trainings and education, um, that are all taught by professionals and it's a state funded program. That's really mm-hmm. focused on this. And I think that's really cool that, um, the state's also behind it to try to, to make sure that we're battling this epidemic. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think these are four great resources. We have some resources of counselors and things that have um, been connected to us on the foothills.org website, which mm-hmm. are additional ones. Connection is a cure.org also has additional resources. So there, the, the biggest things we really want to get across in this podcast, I think, are there are options. There if you so or options. somebody you know is yeah. struggling with uh, suicidal thoughts, there are options. And if you've lost someone, to suicide, there's options, right? And we want to make sure that you're aware of that. Um, Obviously, that 988 number is kind of the first stop if you're on the verge. Um, But I mean, there's just so many things that there are options and there's a reason. Options are hope. Yeah. And hope, hope is so important. Yep. We want to make sure that um, we get you connected to those. And, And I think there's just so many ways that you have to realize that Satan's going to use this as an opportunity to rob you, right? You don't want, you don't want Satan to have this playground in your mind. 
you and that the whole reason we started with the first four weeks was talking about you are loved, you have identity, mm-hmm. all these things is because ultimately, yes, there are biological clinical proclivities to this, but you have to have the hope. And the hope yes. is that you are love, you are known, you are here for a purpose, and those things matter. And Satan's going to try to first convince you that those things are lies. Yeah. And that's what starts escalating you in or your the people around you into a potential choice into suicide. So we want to make sure that you recognize that there is a spiritual component, but we also want to offer these um, help options, these resources that can help you. And, and being in community is so important, right? Yeah. That's the other thing with uh, Connection is the Cure is it's not even just connecting you to resources. It's also connecting you to other people who are struggling, yeah. right? Because mm-hmm. people isolated and alone are way more likely to make this choice right. than if they are in a community fighting together, being supported by each other. And and this isn't just a thing you do by yourself. You do it in community. Obviously, you do it as a believer. You don't do this with your own strength. You actually mm-hmm. rely on God's mm-hmm. strength. And we want to make sure that you know that no emotion lasts forever. Yeah. And a lot of times when you're getting when you're seeing people getting close to this choice, whether it's you or someone you love, it's because it's a wave that they feel like they're drowning underneath, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They they feel like they can't ever get out from underneath it, but no matter what, no emotion ever lasts forever. And so, mm-hmm. like you said, if you can hold out through that time, 90% of the time, you'll that wave will pass and you'll never want yeah. to approach that again. Yeah. So and that doesn't diminish the pain of your suffering. Yeah, don't 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 hear us saying right. your suffering, you know, is you just got to yeah, it's buckle light. down, yeah, right? It's, yeah, it's 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 not That's, a light thing. But We're just have, saying that even in the darkest time there is hope. So yes. hang on. Hang on. Keep hanging on. Obviously, we want to make sure that you you hear uh that this podcast is not meant to be a replacement for uh, right, yeah. medical advice. Um, we're just offering resources. This is for informational purposes only. We're not here to try to diagnose, treat, or prevent, or cure any condition or disease. <laughs> yeah. We need to make sure we know that um, as as intelligent as Pastor Doug is, that is not what he's claiming. Instead, this is informational, and we want to make sure you're seeking medical advice. Obviously, we've said this a couple times, but if you or someone you know is experiencing suicidal thoughts or a crisis, please make sure you reach out to the yes. suicide prevention hotline at 988, or there's this really cool new thing called the crisis text line so if you're not good on the phone don't want to talk to someone on the phone you can actually just text and that's just home to 741741 oh that's so cool and that allows you if you have you know social anxiety and you can't talk to someone but um texting is easier for you that's an option as well so i think that's super important and those are both free and confidential you don't have to worry about getting caught up in the the money of it so they're there to help so Mm. um i just absolutely I know this was a hard topic um, to prep for, Pastor. I know that <laughs> this is a hard topic yeah. to discuss. It's a very different topic than we normally cover. But again, we're not we're not uh, ones to run away from hard things, right? Yeah. And we want to make sure that we are doing what we can to make an impact on this thing that is mm-hmm. affecting so many people in our country. So thank you guys so much for joining us. Make sure you tune in on Sunday. We're actually going to have September. Um, here at Foothills and we're Pastor Doug and September are going to have a conversation about suicide and and um, other aspects we didn't cover on the podcast. So if you are wanting to learn more, educate yourself, mm-hmm. that's going to be a great message for you to tune into or so make sure you tune in on Sunday for that. So thank you guys so much for joining us and we'll see you next Tuesday here on the Salty mm-hmm. Pastor Podcast. Blessings.